You were born with a deeper intelligence. An intelligence that is fundamental to your nature and to your being. It is an intelligence that is not directly connected to your physical body. It is an intelligence you had before you came into the world. And it will be an intelligence you have after you have left this world. It is an intelligence quite unlike your intellect. Your intellect has been conditioned by the world, by your environment by your decisions and the decisions of others. It represents many of the beliefs, prejudices, and mythology of your culture and of your time. It is the product of your experience in the world thus far. But there is a deeper intelligence within you that existed before your intellect. It is connected to the deeper intelligence of the universe called God. You may think of it in many different ways, but it cannot be defined its boundaries cannot be delineated by the intellect. You may associate it with ideas from your religious teachings and traditions, but in essence it defies definition. For it is not merely a thing or an idea, is a presence and an experience, a power and a movement in your life. God has given you this deeper intelligence to guide you, to protect you, and to lead you to a greater life in the world, a life that will enable you to fulfill your greater purpose for coming here. Is this deeper intelligence is so unlike your worldly mind. It does not deliberate. It does not fantasize. It does not speculate. It does not judge and condemn. It does not debate. It is not confused. It is not driven by fear and insecurity, desire and fantasy. It is deep and quiet. It is like the depth of the ocean. You live at the surface, with your surface mind. That is where your awareness is. But the surface is only the surface. Beneath the surface of your mind is a deeper mind, a profound mind, a mind where you are connected to life, 
a mind that has a greater purpose for being in the world, a mind that is not afraid of change, it is not even afraid of death. It is quiet, it is watchful, It is the center and source of your integrity, your strength, and your true direction in life. In essence, all religions were intended to bring you to knowledge. For this is where God can influence you, and where your relationship with God exists already. This is where God is not merely a grand concept or a faraway being. This is a relationship that defies definition. And that is why the way of knowledge has been threatening to religious institutions that base their existence on a doctrines and ideology and human obedience. human allegiance. Because if you encourage people to connect with knowledge within themselves, who knows what they will do? You cannot harness them, corral them. They will not march in step to your orders. They will not be obedient to your precepts. Only in the mystical tradition of each religious tradition will you see an emphasis on this profound experience of knowing and resonance. God is now presenting through a new message, a deep understanding of human spirituality at the level of knowledge. This idea is not entirely new, but it has never been properly clarified. People do not realize that God has planted a deeper intelligence within them. For God is not managing your daily affairs. God is not controlling the winds and the weather. God is not the author of everything that happens to you or to everyone else. God has created a self-maintaining and self-regulating system of life. God is not controlling the flight of the butterfly or the movement of the ant or the migrations of the birds. God has sent you into the world that is fairly chaotic. A world where anything can happen to you. Where events occur. Some of them driven by forces you cannot even understand. God is not controlling the movement of the planets. or the rising of the sun. 
that was all set in motion so very long ago, before the idea of time was ever created. Set in motion to be self-regulating, to be evolutionary. A system and set of systems that would run themselves, where life could evolve according to a pattern of increasing complexity and diversification. God does not want to be burdened with managing all of this. It is set in motion. And that is why the world is so chaotic and difficult to survive in and to adapt to. So for you to be here, you must have an intellect that is capable of sophisticated problem solving. You must have a marvelous physical body that is capable of functioning in this complex and ever-changing environment. But you need knowledge to keep you connected to the source of your life and to those who sent you into the world. It is like the deep-sea diver. Yes, they are under the water. Yes, they are wearing their diving suit. But there is a lifeline that is connecting them to the suffer. And knowledge is like the lifeline that is connecting you to the suffer. It is as if you went into a deep cavern, a maze of tunnels, unmapped, unknown seemingly going on forever. But there is a thread that you have carried with you so that you could find your way back. That is like knowledge, you see. You have entered a world where God is unknown, where people are unknown to each other and even to themselves. But there is a deeper intelligence within you that does know. It is like a little bit of heaven came along for the right. Into this descent into the world of form, change, life, and death. Even if you want nothing to do with God and creation, purpose and destiny, well, too bad. God has come along for the right. A little piece of God. You cannot shake it off. You cannot run away and hide. You can deny it. You can avoid it. You can build a firewall around it. But God comes along for the right. You can say, oh, I don't believe in any of this. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in this deeper intelligence. But the deeper intelligence is still there. You may claim that you don't want to have a destiny, a purpose and a responsibility in being here. You want to be whatever you want to be. You want to be the God of your universe. You want to create your reality. It is okay, go ahead, 
But God is still there. God is everywhere. You have forgotten your heavenly state, your ancient home, but it is still there within you. And it is for this reason that the redemption is there for you. It is for this reason that ultimately the redemption is for everyone. It just is a matter of time and suffering. No matter what level of hell and suffering someone may be in, whether they are in this world or in some other world, God will redeem them because God has come along for the right. If you can consider this, it will give you immense hope and confidence. But you must realize that it is you who must do the work. It is you who must build the bridge to knowledge. It is you who must gain the courage and the determination to follow knowledge. It is you who must develop the skills of discernment and discretion to build a connection to knowledge and to learn how to distinguish knowledge from all the other vices in your mind the voice of your culture, the voice of your parents, the voice of your family, the voice of your government, the voice of your beliefs, the voice of your ideology, the voice of your fantasies, and the voice of those forces in your local environment that would dissuade you from discovering the power and presence of knowledge within yourself. It is you who must learn how to govern your mind, to direct your thoughts, to steal your mind when that is necessary. It is you who must learn how to communicate effectively with others and to look for the power and the presence of knowledge within them. It is you who must advocate for the truth. It is you who must practice tolerance, restraint, and forgiveness. So do not think that you can sit back and think that God is going to take care of everything for you. For God has sent you here to take care of everything. Do not think that knowledge is just going to show you what to do and tell you what to do. And you are going to be like a little child who is carried along. No, you are going to have to be the vehicle for knowledge in the world. To gain the strength, the skill, and the restraint, the assignment necessary to assume this greater responsibility. 
For while you may have your own personal goals and aspirations, your own obligations to others, your own limitations and so forth, knowledge within you is here on a mission. It is your mission. You may invent any personal goal you like, you may try to be anything you want to be, which is usually just a process of mimicking others. You may set any kind of goal for yourself. You may rearrange your appearance. You may rearrange the outward appearance of your life. But it is all like redecorating your prison cell. Thinking you have transformed your life, you have only given it a different appearance, but your fundamental condition is still the same. You can move to more pleasant surroundings. You can change your style. You can involve yourself in new things, exciting new things and think you have really changed your life. But your condition, living in separation, disconnected from the power and presence of knowledge within yourself, has not changed. Your fundamental need, your fundamental relationship, has yet to be fully recognized. That is why at some point, you have to come to the reality and the understanding that no amount of pleasure, escape, avoidance or stimulation is going to resolve your fundamental problem. You need knowledge to guide you, to protect you and to reveal to you what is true and to reveal to you the direction that your life is truly meant to go. This requires, of course, humility, but it also requires real self-determination. For knowledge is powerful and it has a real direction. If you do not have the necessary courage and determination, well, you will feel too weak and too ambivalent to follow this direction. You will be too insecure. You will feel you must live in a constant state of self-definition and personal control. But you cannot have this when following knowledge, for it is mysterious, and you will not experience it every day. So can you abide with this uncertainty? Can you take these risks? Can you break the chains of your social conditioning and obligation to Arthur to follow a greater power and presence within yourself? Can you put into question your fundamental ideas and beliefs and assumptions waiting for knowledge to reveal to you what is really true 
and how to discern what is true from what is untrue, from what is really good to what only looks good. No, there is no escape here. There is no welfare here. You cannot be like a little child here. You must become strong, determined, aware, humble and compassionate. Because this is what knowledge will require from you if you are to learn of its reality and to follow its cadence. What most people do not understand about knowledge is that one of its primary goals is to keep you alive. For how can it prepare you for a greater life if you cannot stay alive? That is why knowledge will protect you and exert its influence to restrain you from making mistakes, from committing yourself to relationships that have no future and destiny, from giving your life away to other people before you even know what your life is or what it is for. You feel these influences within yourself, even if you choose to ignore them or to override them. You feel the exertions of knowledge, even if you think it is something else. How many times have you rushed to do something, feeling a sense of apprehension, or real doubt or restraint within yourself, and yet you went ahead and did it anyway? That is part of everyone's experience. At some point you come to realize uh, that you do not make good decisions, that you are blind to certain things, that you are easily persuaded by certain kinds of charms and inducements. You come to realize that you have these weaknesses and they are really critical in affecting the quality and the outcome of your life. Here you come to seize the need for knowledge. You cannot give over all your authority to knowledge because it is you who must do most of the work. But what you do have is a guide in the presence and the power of such immense strength and reliability, a power that cannot be corrupted by the world, a power that will not be seduced by the allurements of beauty, wealth, and charm, a power that restores to you your essential worth and value, in the meaning and direction of your life. What reward in the world could compare with this? Beautiful possessions that you can stare at, 
acclaimed by others who only want to use you for themselves. Beauty to attract people with predatory interests. Charm so you can control other people and get them to do what you want them to do therefore forfeiting any hope of having a genuine and meaningful relationship with him. When you look at these inducements in the world, you will see that they are really a betrayal, for they require you to be something other than what you are. They deny you the value of genuine relationship in the experience of affinity with others. Here you use people and everything as if it were merely a resource to achieve your goal. But in doing so, you become only a resource. Honesty, inspiration, recognition, true relationship, they all lost you. You pay the biggest price of all. And in the end, there is dreadful disappointment. A fruitless life. Even if you achieve wealth and dominance, you are a person unknown to yourself. You are like a predator. You do not know your value. You do not know your purpose. You are alone. You are afraid. You are lost in your world that you have created for yourself. You are a prisoner in your beautiful little cell. Think for a moment if this is what you want to achieve for yourself. Go be with the wealthy and the powerful and see if they inspire you. They might intrigue you with their possessions and their pleasures, but look and see if they as individuals inspire you, or if you would give your life to them. You may want wealth so you do not have to work so hard to improve your circumstances, and that is merit here to a certain degree. But if you lose yourself, if you lose your heart, if you lose your mind in the process, well, you will be the great loser. It is better that you fail at your pursuit and not forfeit your life in the process. That is why for some people failure is much better than success. It gives them a chance to rediscover the fundamental relationship with knowledge. Whereas the other person who achieves their goals 
becomes ever further away from us. They think they are winning when they are really losing. And they will keep trying to win in the same way, thus losing Avama. For the only real satisfaction to the deeper need of the soul is for you to find your purpose and to fulfill it. You may surround yourself with beautiful things and beautiful people and beautiful places. But if you have not found your purpose and your true direction, then your soul is uneasy. And your mind will be filled with conflict and dissatisfaction. You've created a grand illusion for yourself. And you are trying to gain value from it, but it can only give you so very little. For you to have a genuine relationship with another, the presence of knowledge must be there. Because to join your soul with another requires the permission of your soul. It is not a function of the will of your mind. I am going to make myself, give myself to this person. If knowledge will not go there well, then you do not have a real relationship with this other person. It is a relationship based upon attraction, based upon manipulation, based upon illusion and usury. It will not withstand the difficulties and the challenges of living a real life. So the pretty faces fall away and the wealth and splendor lead to a kind of self-degradation, a dissipation of your spirit. This leads many people to addictions. They try to self-medicate themselves from feelings of pain and anguish of the empty life. But knowledge is still with you is with you right now. If you still your mind and learn to do this, quiet yourself down, you can begin to feel that knowledge has delivered messages to you already. Imagine that there is a mailbox in you and knowledge delivers messages to you. And so you go every day to see if there is anything in your mailbox. Anything you know you need to do that day or to finish from the days before. You follow knowledge in little things and then you gain the strength and the confidence to follow knowledge in greater things. When you go to the restaurant and you choose some of the main, you think about everything that attracts you, is that really what you should eat tonight? It is a feeling. Maybe it does not matter, but in certain cases it will, because you are asking. Before you go out to see a movie, ask yourself, should I really see this movie? 
whether knowledge responds or not, the importance is you're asking. And you will begin to feel and hear that response. This will temper your desire. This will weaken the attraction of other things upon you. This will begin to mitigate your compulsion and your need to escape from yourself. At first, it will create a struggle, a struggle between what you know and what you want. You want this thing, but knowledge really doesn't care, which means it is not important. You want to have this thing, this person, this experience, and you go to knowledge, it is either restraining you or it doesn't care. And you see the difference between what you want, between the needs and the driving desires of your intellect and the real nature of the deeper intelligence within you. And you see that what you thought you wanted, you really don't want. What you thought was so attractive, really, has no draw upon knowledge within yourself. What you are really worried about, well, knowledge is not worried about it. Whether you are up in the clouds in your imagination or whether you are down in the forest of knowledge, it makes such a difference in what influences you, what affects you, what draws you and what is really important to you. Here you begin to see, in your own experience, that there is a part of you that is wise and abiding, and there is a part of you that is unwise, that is foolish, that is gullible, that is easily persuaded and seduced. There is a part of you that will fall into the traps that are set around you, and there is a part of you that will not. There is a part of you that will give your life away for some pretty face or charming personality, and there is a part of you that will never do this. It is connecting to knowledge. It is identifying with knowledge. It is following knowledge in its motivations, its restraints, and its indifference that liberates your mind and centers your experience of yourself at a deeper level, at a deeper and more profound foundation. People may pray to God for deliverance, for freedom, to achieve their goals, to free them from danger. They may prostrate themselves. They may fervently carry on the ceremonies of their religion. But God has already put knowledge within you. But it is not up at the surface where you live. It is deeper down. 
It is not an idea, it is not an intellectual exercise to go to knowledge. It is not something your mind can construct and control. Your mind can only participate. It is not in charge of the process. People keep trying to understand. They try to understand. They try to conceptualize, come to conclusions, give things form, give things limitation. But with the really important things in life, well, intellect was not designed to do this. It was designed to problem solve the difficulties of life, to meet the challenge of survival, to meet the challenge of living and adapting to a world in a constant state of change and flux. But it was not created to discern and to define the greater meaning and purpose of life. These are profound experiences that are happening at a deeper level. If you want to know where the ocean currents are going, you have to go beneath the surface. You have to look at the bigger picture. If you want to know why the winds blow one way one day and another way another day, you have to understand the climate at a larger scale, the forces that are moving what you experience locally every day. Within yourself, this is a mystery. The intellect has limits. It has boundaries. It may create fabulous cosmological systems or thought, but the mystery is always born. To experience this mystery, you have to get out of your mind. You have to go beneath the suffering and take the steps to knowledge. You have to set aside your notions of metaphysical reality and all the associations that your mind will try to make, because really the core experience does not need these things and it may not validate them at all. The level of knowledge you may find out that life is very different from what you thought it was, or thought it should be. The power or presence of knowledge is within you. It represents your most fundamental relationship. It represents the source of your strength your integrity and your safety. It will keep you from giving your life away. It will hold you back from self-destructive behavior. It will give you the power of discernment to know who to be with and how to be with them, and all the many things you must avoid, and how to regard a world in change and a world in conflict. Knowledge is quiet and pervasive. It is not restless and agitated like your intellect. It will give you the power to see, to know,
and to act with a deeper certainty and a greater determination. This is what you need now. You who can hardly sit still for five minutes needs this power of concentration. You need to know how to be at ease, to slow down, to be with things fully, to consider your decisions more deeply, to evaluate things with greater objectivity, to stop all this running around and this foolishness, to really be with the essential things of your life. Ask yourself, what is it that is really important to me in life? Keep asking this question and keep writing down whatever comes to me. And do this for a time. And then look at your relationships with people and places and things and say, does this really represent what is really important to me? Can this really support what is really important to me? You will be shocked at what you see. You will see how little you have settled for, how much compromise you have made when compromise was not required. You will see that you are associating with people and places in a way that does not represent your deepest inclinations, your most profound needs. You will see that it is better to be alone than to be with people who cannot or will not recognize who you are and discern your greater purpose and direction. that all this social behavior ends up meaning nothing unless you have a really deeper connection with people and are doing something important in life with them. All this running away and obsession with things of little value is wasting your life spending your intelligence, your time, your energy, and that you are missing out on the really important things. You are not paying attention to your environment sufficiently. You are not seeing the great waves of change that are coming over the horizon. You are not taking your life seriously. What is really important to you? That is more important than anything else. That if you could only be, do, or have three things in life, what would they be? And are you living a life based upon this? Are your standards high enough?
Are you functioning and behaving according to your most fundamental needs? How can you be trivial and unaware of your behavior when you have such a great mission to do in your life? Such a deeper conscience within yourself. Knowledge will begin to emerge within you when you really see that you need it. And you see how much you need it. And you see that without it, you will live a life far below what it is really meant to be. And you will see the degree to which your thoughts, your feelings and your behavior is determined by the will and the expectation of others. Knowledge will emerge when you see that it is essential and fundamental to your life. Then you will bring the necessary determination and recognition to bear. Perhaps disappointment will bring you to this recognition within yourself. Perhaps personal failure that you so earnestly seek to avoid will be the one thing that will sober your mind and show you your greater need, the deeper need of your soul, and return you to a more profound experience within yourself. Your intellect is a marvelous instrument when rightfully employed. It is creative, it is brilliant, it has immense capabilities when it is properly employed, but it must serve something greater. It makes a wonderful servant, but a very poor God. It is weak, it is fallible, it is easily seduced and persuaded, it is judgmental, it is vengeful, it is jealous, it is petty, it is obsessive. It is all these things when it has nothing greater to serve that it is meant and designed to serve. Without this greater service, it is insecure. It doesn't know what it is doing. It is a great vehicle of communication with nothing really to serve of any value or meaning. Its potency is being wasted. Its capabilities are not being cultivated. And so it acts erratically and foolishly, having no real security within itself, having no greater service to perform, it begins to function improperly. That is why people who are so intelligent live such foolish, pointless lives, because they have not found their greater service they are not bringing their intellect and their body into service to the real purpose that has brought them here. 
And so nothing is working very well. And the body becomes the slave of the mind and is punished by the mind's own conflicts and misappropriation. You see this everywhere. Do not condemn people for their errors or their foolishness, but instead learn from them. For life around you is teaching you the merits of following knowledge and the results of not following knowledge. Let everything teach you the value of gaining access to this deeper intelligence. But remember, you cannot use knowledge. It is not a resource for the intellect. You cannot use it to win contests or to control others or to manipulate the future or to build personal wealth. Spirit is not a resource for the mind. Many people make this mistake, and it is a fundamental error. This is the mind trying to be God, using God, or trying to use God. But it cannot be done. The mind cannot use knowledge. Knowledge will just become silent. As if it does not even exist. Cannot use knowledge to win the lottery. Or to make someone love you. Or to make some kind of scheme to become wealthy to profit off the failure and errors of others. Knowledge is ethical and moral. It will not do this. So it will withdraw, and you will think it does not even exist. You come to knowledge to give your life, to ask for help, you come in a state of humility and recognition of your true condition. You do not come to use or to manipulate. And if that is your hidden intentions, knowledge will remain silent with you. It is far more intelligence than you are, your mind. It cannot be persuaded or manipulated all enrolled in your plans and schemes. If that is your design, well, knowledge becomes quiet and you do not even realize it is there. And you will just weave your own illusions about it and think that you are being guided by knowledge when you are really just being fooled by your own trap. You take the steps to knowledge, realizing that you are dealing with the presence of God within yourself. You come based upon your real needs in a state of humility and honest recognition. 
You do not come as a swindler or a predator. You come because that is where nature and your deepest impulses are bringing you. You come because you see you cannot manage or direct your life effectively without this greater power and intelligence. You come to see that you cannot define your life or live according to society's models alone if you are to have any real meaning to your existence. You come to knowledge because it is entirely natural for you to do so. Realizing your limits, realizing your capacity for error, realizing the vulnerability of your life and the fragility of your circumstances, you come to knowledge. You don't know what knowledge will give you. You just come to knowledge. This is the great turning point in life. And many people come here as a result of profound disappointment and disillusionment. They come because they feel the deeper need of the soul. And they realize they cannot fulfill this need by all the things they have been trying to do, to be and to have. And this is a great moment. This is promising. They're cheering in the stands in heaven because you are coming to knowledge. God has provided the steps to knowledge in God's new revelation for the world. The pathway to knowledge has been established within all the great traditions. But you must search for them, and you must find the real teachers who can be difficult to find. They are not the public figures. They are not the personalities in the media. They are not the celebrities of religion. They are the hidden secret teachers. They may be very difficult to find. So God has sent the steps to knowledge in a form that anyone can use, right where they are, without having to search the deep recesses of the world. God has sent a message in a pure form. It has not been taken over by governments. It has not been changed by ambitious individuals. It has not been codified and altered by people who have no real spiritual foundation. It comes in a pure form. It appears humble and simple, but it is deep and pervasive. People may look at it and say, oh, I know all about this, I understand this, but they don't understand it. They think it fits in with a set of ideas they have no idea what they are dealing with here. God has sent the steps to knowledge 
because everyone needs knowledge now. It is not merely a reward for the elite, for the select or for the few. Everyone needs the power and presence of knowledge now. They need this for the need of their soul. They need this to bring harmony and clarity to their circumstances. They need this to correct mistakes and to find their true direction. They need this to prepare for the great ways of change that are coming over the horizon, which will alter the landscape of the world. They need this so they may have a chance to find and to fulfill their greater purpose for coming into the world. They need this for safety and protection, not only from physical harm and deprivation, but from control and manipulation by others who are seeking to use them as a resource. Everyone needs knowledge now. The rich, the poor, the advantaged, the disadvantaged, in every nation and culture and tribe, in every village and town. Because God redeems you through knowledge, through your adherence to knowledge, through your uniting with knowledge. That is how God redeems the separated everywhere. Always, in every world, in every planet, in every galaxy. That is the plan of God. In every religion, in every faith tradition, this is how God redeems the separated. By reuniting you with the power and presence of knowledge and by enabling you to fulfill your mission in life, this is what reunites you with your source, with your power, with your wealth. And this is done in such a way that the world that you live in benefits from your redemption. It is not just a selfish pursuit for enlightenment. You contribute to the world immensely and you are redeemed in the process because your contribution is coming from knowledge. This is the gift and the power, the promise and the reality. Let this be your understanding.